BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, hello there, everybody. This is the Announcer Schedules Podcast, episode number 50, the big 5-0. I'm your host, Mike Gill, Phil DeMont Mollen. He is the voice, the face behind the Twitter handle, at Announcer Schedules. And we are live for episode number 50 of the Announcer Schedules Podcast. It's a one-year anniversary of the show, and we have a great show for you. We're going to look back at everything. Both Phil and I were on vacation last week. We were going to do episode 50, and I said, I can't do the big 5-0 without the guy who created the handle. So no show last week, but you can always go back to our archives and check out our great guests and past conversations with guys like John Forslund and Bob Wischusen and Kevin Kugler. Uh, recently, we had Mark Jones on the NBA. We talked to Connor Onion after he had an amazing call on a Mac game. We saw, talked to Sean Grandy after he traveled from Italy back to a Celtics game, and so much more. Phil, you started the Twitter account. It is now over 25,000 followers, and we are continuing to build. Today, we are going to have a son of a past guest as Pat McCarthy, the voice of the Mets, will join us today on the podcast. But we've talked to some great people. Did you ever imagine that at announcer Skeds, would have 50 podcast episodes and all these great conversations. Yeah, just a, a lot to celebrate with the 50th episode and also our one-year anniversary. I want to thank you, Mike, you know, for all that you've done to make it possible and also TJ Reeves, you know, driving the ship in, in a lot of ways and doing behind-the-scenes work and, you know, part of that uh, network with him. And, yeah, it's been a blast. You know, we've had some sensational guests in the past year and, and so forth. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you kind of putting on hold the 
the 50th episode until I got back. I was over in Europe and I got to experience how t- difficult it is to be an American sports fan in Europe. You know, the Eastern Conference Finals going down with uh, my favorite team, the Miami Heat. And, you know, the games are going off at 2 a.m. in the morning. There's no television coverage in the hotels I was in, that kind of thing. So it is a struggle, I would imagine, for for fans of U.S. sports, you know, who are over there in Europe full time to, to keep up with everything, at least watching it on television. I was able to you know, try to find something just to sort of give me some, a little bit of my announcer fix. And, you know, the best I could do was some soccer from Dubai or something, you know, like it was very, uh, you know, uh, strange to be over there, you know, as, as an American sports fan, but uh, glad to be back, glad to be able to celebrate the one year anniversary and the, the 50th episode and looking forward to talking to Pat as well. Yeah. Pat, who of course uh, is in an interesting role. Uh, he is uh, replacing uh, Brad Heller on the broadcast. His role is kind of what Ed Coleman used to do. There's another great broadcast name. He did the pregame, the postgames. He's kind of their swing play-by-play guy. But we feel it's an interesting story, right, Phil, that his father, Tom, is the television voice of the Phillies, and the Phillies are playing the Mets on the day we're recording uh, an afternoon game, and Pat's going to fit us in. So we're going to get to hear what it's like preparing for the pregame and the game and having uh, that all happen and also his father being in the booth next to him. And last year, when the Phillies went to the World Series, Pat got to do some television work for NBC Sports Philadelphia. So uh, he's got a cool story for, I'm imagining there's a lot of young broadcasters. Pat's a really young guy. But I want to ask you, Phil, I know this might not be an easy answer. We've had so many great guests spanning from football to hockey to boxing to horse racing to college sports to baseball to the NBA. Do you have a couple favorite stories that have been told in year number one? Yeah, I appreciate that. And it is tough because you know, we've had some some outstanding guests and encourage folks to go back in the, the archives of the podcast and, and check out some of these these interviews. You know, the, the ones that sort of popped for me were a lot of the ones we did, we did last summer. You know, uh, Bob was choosing, you know, he and I share these these Miami roots. So we're able to reflect back on how he got his start as a, you know, uh, Miami Sports Talk Radio update guy of 560 WQAM. Uh, it was great to talk to Kevin Kugler coming off the the college world series mark kestisher you know um i stay in pretty close touch with with mark you know he it's been great to to develop a relationship and a rapport with him he'll be on the nba finals this week but the two that popped the most for me mike Roxy Bernstein, because we got to talk about Bill Walton and what it's like to work with with Bill Walton and got that great anecdote where Bill Walton took Roxy Bernstein to a uh, Dead and Company show and how uh, Walton, you know, thought Roxy was going to be scared of the experience and, and that kind of thing. And then Barry Tompkins to talk to Barry Tompkins, you know, as far as, you know, him being part of that that Rocky franchise the West Coast college basketball games that I would watch, you know, when I was younger, that he would, you know, uh, be the play-by-player for. And then obviously all the, those huge boxing matches he's called and continues to call over the years. Those are the ones that pop for me, but we've had some sensational guests all the way around. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Barry telling us a story about Rocky, how he hated doing the movie, and, you know, that uh, basically Brigitte Nielsen was, like, holding up the whole thing because she couldn't get her lines right. I thought that was great, so check back the archives for that. Larry Colmus was probably my favorite. I mean, um, he is the horse racing voice of the Triple Crown, but he told us, you know, last year, if you remember, we had him on right after 
um, the, the longest shot, Rich Strike, had won the tri- uh, the Kentucky Derby, and he had that call, Rich Strike! He couldn't believe it, and he told us all about that. And then we had that funny story about when he had a horse race that he was calling where the one horse was called my wife knows everything, and the other horse was my wife doesn't know, and they happen to be the two horses that are coming down the stretch, and he kind of explained that whole story. Uh, that was a great uh, conversation with Larry because, you know, we talk so often about the versatility of guys doing baseball and football and basketball. We generally always think about the main sports, but here's Larry who's very focused on horse racing and how different that is from everything else. Uh, I thought he was excellent. Bob Oshusen was a great storyteller, as were the young guys like Andrew Catalan and Mike Cousins. Uh, I enjoyed our conversation with those guys about their journey to where they've gotten to now. We got a chance to talk to a guy like Tom McGinnis. We had him on right around Christmas. He's the voice of the Sixers. And he got to tell us about what it's like to travel during the holidays and when you're kind of cruising uh, all along uh, up and down the eastern seaboard because Philadelphia and you're playing Washington, you're down in Miami. I thought that was some great insight as well. Well, we continue, hopefully, to bring you more conversations like that as we pass 5-0 and go further. Don't forget, we're on Last Word on Sports. Like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. They always help. If you give us a five-star review, we will be sure to thank you for that by continuing to do the podcast. And if you want to leave a message on Apple Podcasts or all that stuff, they all work. Last Word on Sports gives you multiple options with Tell Me a Story I Don't Know with George Offman and Last Word on Sports Media with T.J. Reeves. Uh, And we drop generally on Thursday, which is when we were recording today's podcast. So make sure you do all of that stuff as we get into episode number 50. We've got the NBA Finals. They are finally here. They start tonight as we're recording. But let's take a look back at what we missed in the Eastern Conference Finals. You had Harlan Miller, Van Gundy, Allie LaForce on TNT. And, of course, they got that epic Game 7 situation. Yeah, had the, the Game 7 where the, the Heat end up uh, taking care of business up there in, in Boston. And, you know, that Game 6 as well, you know, sort of that, that heartbreaker for the Heat, that late tip-in for the Celtics. Uh, Kevin Harlan's spoken to, to some folks after the fact on that one as far as, you know, how he had to, you know, use his sort of restraint a little bit to make sure it was good in kind of those situations you know, where the, you know, you're not 100% confirmed whether it's good or not until they, they go to the scores table and that kind of thing. But, you know, another great season for, for the NBA on TNT. And, you know, not just the game announcers, but, you know, inside the NBA, which, you know, universally is known as, you know, pr- probably the, the best studio sports show, you know, in history, uh, they come to a close as well. And, uh, yeah, we turn the page and head towards the NBA Finals now on ABC. Yeah, uh, I will say, you know, as big of a Harlan fan as I was, that was a really tough play to call. It was a lot of confusion on that Game 6 finale. You had Van Gundy. You had Miller. They were all kind of confused on what was going on there. But Miller was the guy who said, hey, watch the inbounder. The inbounder ends up making the play. They thought the play was not good. And then, you know, you get those situations where you're not really – you know, you didn't know if it's good or not. And it seemed like there was a lot of confusion going on there. I was hoping, you know, now Boston not winning the series, I think kind of diminishes that whole situation. Uh, but there was a lot of confusion going on at the end there. But we ended up getting treated to a seven-game series. And then, of course, game seven kind of fell flat uh, as Miami 
went on to win. By the way, on the radio side, Dave Pash, Doris Burke did that. Uh, and you mentioned inside the NBA, it might have a different feel and look moving forward. Tell us why. Well, a big retirement. Tim Keeley, who's a name that I didn't really know. You know, you, you got to kind of tip your hat to these guys that truly remain behind the scenes. But he's been producing inside the NBA since 1995. He retires from that role. And, you know, what a job he has done all these years. You know, working with guys like Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, huge, huge stars and kind of, putting together the recipe for these guys to have this sort of chemistry that they do that has created such a, a great program. You know, Kenny Smith joined the show in 98, just a few years after, you know, Tim started producing uh, Barkley in the year 2000, Shaq more recently, but he's still been around over 10 years. He joined in 2012. Ernie Johnson, by the way, began hosting the show all the way back in, in 1990, uh, even before Tim was was producing. But they did a great uh segment during the post game show where they brought him onto the set and so forth. And that was a lot of fun. And, and they were having a lot of fun with Tim here and folks might not realize just how close those relationships are with the guys in the truck and that kind of thing. Uh, especially when you're talking decades upon decades of working together on the same show. Yeah, I like Barkley afterwards. He said, who am I going to drink with? Yeah. Everybody else. Uh, there's no, I don't have a drinking buddy anymore. Shaq and Kenny, they don't drink. I need someone to have a, a pop with. And, uh, yeah, you, you you know it'll be interesting to see how that show um, looks different. We people that watch these shows take for granted that the guy in the ear tells these guys and directs these guys a lot of different ways and allows them to be who they are. Sometimes put a new guy in that role. How will that change things? So uh, that is some news there inside the NBA. Uh, Tim Keeley is retiring as the producer. He's been there since 1995. Uh, that brings us over to as Kevin Harlan said. Uh, that is it for them. They are passing it over to Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson for the NBA Finals on ABC. And you mentioned Kevin Harlan, you know, wrapping it up. I mean, talk about a well-deserved vacation. I mean, that guy did as many games and as many big games as I can imagine, you know, since the start of last football season, and he'll he'll recharge the batteries and, and get going again this fall. But between the NCAA tournament, you know, the, the NBA, of course, and then, you know, all that work on the NFL, whether it be for CBS or for Westwood One, uh, a hat tip to to Kevin Harlan. But, yeah, we turn the page. You know, ABC, we, we come down to the NBA Finals, Heat and Nuggets, uh, Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson. This will be their 15th NBA Finals together as a trio. Uh, that's a record. And Breen, it'll be his 18th NBA Finals. Van Gundy, his 17th. And Jackson is 15th. You may recall Jackson missed a couple years, 2012 and 2013, in that you know stretch uh, when he went back to to coaching. But yeah, the 21st straight season that ABC is broadcasting the NBA Finals. And you know, if you really want to look back a little, you know, sort of history lesson for us, you know, those few years before. Breen, Van Gundy, and Jackson as a trio for the NBA Finals. It's kind of an interesting stretch there. You know, Brad Nestler, Bill Walton, and Tom Tolbert, you know, that that first year that ABC had the rights. Michelle DeFoya and the late Stuart Scott reporting uh, for that one. And then 2004 and 2005, Al Michaels uh, handled play-by-play duties. Uh, Doc Rivers was his analysis in analyst in 04, Hubie Brown in 05, and then Breen did a season 
with Hubie Brown in 2006 with Stuart Scott and Lisa Salters reporting. And that's kind of interesting on the Lisa Salters front as well, because she did that NBA finals in 2006. And then they used a lot of different reporters over the years from that point uh, forward, you know, in- including, you know, Rachel Nichols and Doris Burke for, for a bunch of years was the reporter uh, for that NBA finals crew. And then Breen Jackson and Van Gundy get started in, 2007 and you know what a run for these three uh they'll continue to to do it again here you know they obviously uh, know each other's styles and and all that kind of thing and you know there's a whole generation of basketball fans who that's all they know as far as you know who calls these nba finals so we'll uh lace it up once again we're recording on thursday game one tonight on abc i don't know if you watched uh nba tv last night did that uh everything but the chip uh thing on the 2001 sixers and a young mike breen with bill walton in some of those uh playoff matchups back on the nba on nbc very nice yeah you know breen on nbc folks you know might not remember that you know but yeah, just uh, great stuff as far as his legacy goes, and uh, it should be another uh, excellent production and call. Uh, Tim Corrigan, by the way, as we're, we're talking about producers, he'll be uh, the lead producer again for the NBA Finals and ABC. He's been part of all 21. So it just goes to show a lot of these guys, you know, these top-level producers and directors and those kind of things, they go on long runs in in their roles as well and, you know, hold on to these positions over the years. And it is rare for for guys to to, to retire and for these jobs to, to open up like we just talked about over on Inside the NBA. But it's going to be great, you know, uh, watching, watching these games on ABC and uh, really looking forward to getting it going as a uh, – unabashed Miami Heat fan this is this is uh huge for for all of us and you know Heat Nation and that kind of thing but uh yeah it'll be fun getting going tonight with the uh NBA finals and we're hoping to have a heat centric guest maybe on the pod uh maybe check our feed uh tomorrow or over the weekend we're hoping to set that up for you a little tease for you there uh, this is the Announcer Schedules podcast, ESPN Radio, by the way. Former guest of the pod, Mark Kesheser, which uh, we talked about our favorite conversations. Mark was outstanding, and I will pull back the curtain a little bit. We had a conversation with Mark, and the recording completely froze and messed up, and we didn't know it until we were done. We had to call Mark back and ask if he would do it all again. So we actually had Mark on the podcast, not once, but twice, but you only heard one version of it, but he was a super nice guy to say, you know what? No problem. I'll come back on. And he answered a lot of the questions that we had already asked him the first time. He had to answer them again the second time. Uh, But that's the kind of guy that Mark Hesheshur is, and he is getting to call the NBA Finals, and he will do that with P.J. Carlissimo, who I had on my radio show when the Sixers were still in the playoffs. P.J., super nice guy, and uh, you'll get to hear Mark Kestisher back on ESPN Radio. Yeah, so Mark Kestisher, and, and like you said, that was so gracious of him to, to re-record with us that afternoon. You know, he'll be on with, with P.J., but also Doris Burke is part of that broadcast as well, so a three-person booth in terms of play-by-play and, and two analysts. Uh, it'll be Doris's fourth NBA Finals in this role. Uh, Ross Gold on Day will be the reporter with Kevin Winner in the studio. It's Mark Kestisher's seventh consecutive NBA Finals as the 
radio play-by-play announcer. So great run going for Mark. And if you date all the way back to his work in the studio as the studio host, his 20th NBA Finals. So, you know, familiar territory uh, for Kestisher and that whole ESPN radio crew. And, you know, I'm looking forward to catching some of the action on the radio dial as well. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your law Lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, so uh, by the way, ESPN has it. That means Mike Greenberg, Stephen A. Smith, Jalen Rose, and Michael Wilbon are in the studio with hits from uh, Adrian Wojnarski, which news continues to happen. Uh, so you'll be checking in on the NBA Countdown Show, and Stephen A. will have a Stephen A.'s world as well happening during the NBA Finals. We're going to be talking with Pat McCarthy, uh, one of the voices of the Mets radio team, about his story to the Mets booth. That's coming up here in just a little bit. But before we get there, why don't we talk a little bit about the Mets and Major League Baseball? Uh, We'll get into some hockey as well. But while we're getting into Pat, he'll be joining us here momentarily. Gary Cohn and Howie Rose, two Mets voices. Yeah, so there's a big Mets Hall of Fame induction. You know, I'd love to to run this by Pat as well once we have him on in a, a few minutes here. But, you know, the Hall of Fame for the New York Mets, there's going to be a ceremony on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, it'll be um, fascinating as far as these two announcers going in and sort of, the you know, the tributes that we'll see there. Gary Cohn, of course, on, on the you know television side with that, you know, team of uh, Ron Darling and, and Keith Hernandez. Uh, he'll be inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame, as will be Howie Rose, who's been the radio play-by-play voice for the Mets uh, for a number of years and uh, has become a, a signature voice of the Mets as well. Also, do want to mention a PR type, uh, Jay Horwitz. I mean, this is a veteran PR director. I don't know if you've ever, you know, had to, to uh, work with Jay at all. He's been with the Mets he started in 1980 and became the VP of media relations in 2001. Um, I got to meet Jay a, a few times, you know, in in the Marlins press box when the when the Mets would come to town, and you know, he's someone who you know pretty much everybody in, in Major League Baseball, you know, uh, you know, know knows about Jay and you know what he's all about, and he's done a lot of work behind the scenes publicizing the the Mets all these years. So cool to see you know the Hall of Fame inducting a, a PR director as well. But you know we'll, we'll look forward to some tributes about uh, Gary and Howie this weekend as the Mets you know celebrate a couple announcers with a Hall of Fame induction. Big stuff. Yeah, Gary Cohn, Howie Rose, two Mets legend voices, and you know real quick because we're going to have a young broadcaster, Pat McCarthy, his father. Uh, Tom McCarthy, who many people listening to the pod, he has been on our pod. You can go back to the archives. You know, Tom is the Phillies TV guy. He does Westwood One for football, CBS for NFL. Uh, He does, um, you know, uh, you'll hear him do some golf and and multiple things. You hear that. College hoops. College basketball, correct. You you hear him all over the place. Um, You know, those old-time broadcasters who are so uh, associated with teams, um, you know, like, Cohen and Rose. I mean, you associate these guys many times with 
that one team that they're a part of. But you see so many guys now are doing that and multiple other things. Yeah, and it's just awesome to see once again, you know, just how these legacies sort of continue on and on all, all these years and when you when you think back you know Gary Cohen began calling Mets games on the radio in 1989 Rose started in 1996 I mean we're talking decades here you know the same voice and you know those are long seasons as well of course you know it on in Major League Baseball where you really get familiar yeah. with these guys also worth mentioning Al Leiter is one of the inductees of course as a player for the Mets, you know, a uh, great uh, pitcher for the Mets uh, for several seasons. He's being inducted in that class as well this weekend. And, you know, Leiter's done his share of broadcasting as well. You know, done a lot of stuff with the MLB network, uh, part of the Marlins broadcast for a few years there as well. So uh, cool to see uh, Al Leiter sort of a, there's a broadcasting angle there as well. Howard Johnson, if you remember that infielder Hojo. for the Mets, Hojo, uh, part of that in, uh, inductees this weekend as well. So uh, congrats to all the, those Hall of Famers, uh, Mets, uh, Blue Jays this weekend after the, the Philly series concludes. I'm in the middle of watching the 30 for 30 on the 86 Mets right now. Oh, wow. Did you see it? I have not seen it yet. Oh. Uh, can you, can you uh, comment on that a little bit? Well, I mean, I've only it's like a four-part series. I've only seen the first part, and it kind of takes you through, you know, this Mets team that had kind of been just, you know, terrible – they had all these young kids, the Strawberries and Goodins, kind of in the system, and they had been kind of just like, you know, mired in mediocrity or below mediocrity. And finally they call these, you know, Strawberry comes up, and then, you know, boom, this kind of pops. They trade for Keith Hernandez. So it kind of builds up to what happened to get the 86 team together, and that's how the first um, uh, part of the series ends. I have not moved on quite yet uh so you haven't gone into the wild off the field stuff yet no but you're starting to see like they do show a little bit about gooden and strawberry kind of going down a a path um not quite there yet but you're starting to see the the bricks being laid to the foundation of you know this one season was wild that and i guess you know the culmination is the world series but you start to see early that if they're going to win it, they better win it now because these guys are kind of, you know, the, the fame is getting to them, the notoriety is getting to them, uh, and all this stuff. I will say this real quick uh, as we're talking about broadcasters, and Pat McCarthy's going to join us in a second. Um, the I mentioned the Everything But the Chip episode that was on NBA TV last night. It's going to be on a lot. It documents the Sixers' 2001 season with Allen Iverson and Larry Brown. And both Larry and Iverser are in the piece, and they're giving it from their perspective, and the team president at the time, who was Pat Croce. But commentary in the um, documentary, I guess, weaved in and out from Tom McGinnis, former guest of the pod, and Mark Zumoff, who was also on the pod, two former Sixers, Zumoff, the television voice, McGinnis, the radio voice, they both weave their commentary about that season into the uh, documentary for this Everything But the Chip, which uh, was on NBA TV. I caught it about 15 minutes late, so I recorded it. I want to watch the first 15 minutes, but it was really good. And you hear uh, McCarthy, McGinnis, (laughs) you hear McGinnis and Zumoff's 
interaction to what they saw that season. So it was really cool. But uh, yeah, you know, sports documentaries, whether it be, you know, 30 for 30s or, you know, some of these other productions like the one you mentioned from from NBA TV are great opportunities for fans of announcers and of, you know, behind the scenes TV stuff to to kind of um, check out, you know, some of the history and that kind of thing. You know, that Oakland A's San Francisco Giants earthquake 30 for 30 comes to mind. I used to show that to the class I would teach, you know, because we would go over you know hey how did abc deal with this you know have it that happening during the you know the um opener of that that game there and how how wild that was so all sorts of opportunities in these documentaries to to check out announcers and you know uh cool to see those threads that that you were able to to see on that that most recent one on the sixers all right uh it is episode 50 of the Announcer Schedules podcast, and you can go back to our archives and listen to all our great conversations. We're about to bring you another really cool, unique kind of story here as we welcome into the Announcer Schedules podcast episode number 50. Uh, it is, uh, he is part of the New York Mets radio team on WCBS 880. Uh, Pat McCarthy is kind enough to join us on game day as the Mets are taking on the Phillies. And I know, Pat, this one has a little extra special meaning for you uh, with the Phillies in town. And a former guest of the pod is also uh, in town. Your father, Tom, Pat, you are with the Mets radio team. Your father, of course, is on the Phillies side. So how cool is this series been for you? Well, first of all, number 50, I'm honored to be the uh, guest on the 50th episode. Thanks for having me. But yeah, it's pretty special. Um, We've gotten to carpool in with each other over the last three days and sit in traffic on our way to City Field and just get a chance to talk. I mean, frankly, we don't get a chance to see each other that often during the season just because our schedules obviously conflict. So the fact that we've had these last couple of days together has been pretty special. Um, obviously, Pat, you know, this is uh, last year. Just to tell the people, we're going to go through your journey a little bit. You know, you're a young broadcaster. Uh, you kind of uh, kind of got to dip your toe in the water last year with your dad on the Phillies run to the World Series. How did that all come about? How cool was it to kind of just all of a sudden get wrangled into that World Series, a very unexpected World Series run? Yeah, it was it was pretty surreal. It, it started in 2021 when I got a chance to fill in for him for two games when he was off doing NFL games. So that was when I first kind of dipped my toe in the, toes in the water. And it was a wild experience. The team was out in San Diego. I was in Philadelphia with Ruben Amaro Jr. doing the games off a monitor. So that was my first introduction to calling Major League Baseball. And then last year, it was on a little bit more of a consistent basis. I got to fill in on the radio side of things. Uh, in May for a game, and then towards the tail end of the season, got a got an op- a few more opportunities, and it all culminated with being in Houston as the Phillies clinched the wild card, and I'm down on the field doing sidelines for NBC Philly, and my dad threw it down to me to have an on-field interview with Reese Hoskins as the Phillies just snapped an 11-year drought of getting to the postseason. It was it was a really cool experience. Obviously, as the fan, you know, that was really neat just watching all that history and then getting a chance to step back and kind of reflect on what an unbelievable experience that was just to share that memory with him. It, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, Pat McCarthy is our guest. He is part of the Mets radio team on 
WCBS 880, Princeton University, uh, St. Joe's. He is very versatile. He's got some background as well that we will get into. Uh, But you mentioned that run in the World Series, and we talked about you mentioned your dad doing football. Uh, The opportunity, uh, at what age did you kind of know? I mean, obviously, you have the lineage there, and we see a lot of families that do this. When did you say, I want to go that route as well? I was probably a little bit of a late bloomer compared to some kids that quote unquote grew up in the industry. I was probably 16 or 17 when I decided it was what I wanted to pursue. I was working in my high school TV station, hosting a morning sports show as a junior. And that's when I first started to get the itch. And then my senior year, I went to my TV two teacher, Carl Schubauer and I said to him, class runs for 90 minutes. We run this TV show, A-Town Live, for 15 minutes after homeroom. Allentown did it a little bit differently. That homeroom was after first period. I guess kids were starting to show up a little bit late, so they decided to uh, make it better for them to come to first period first. So I, I went to my teacher and said, what do you think of making this something special? And I will devote our 90 period class time just to making A-Town Live the best it can be. And he told me, he said, if you genuinely work hard at this, that can be your class assignments for the entire year. You don't have to do any other alternate projects. Just devote time to making A-Town Live great. And, and that's what I did. And I went out after school when I wasn't playing either basketball or baseball, and I shot footage. So I had highlights to play during our sports show the next day. And, and then I would spend time writing my scripts and throwing on my shirt and tie and my sweatpants that I would wear as we had our uh, our desk in front of us with a green screen in the background. And that's when the fire really started for me. I was probably it was senior in high school when I decided, okay, this is what I wanted to do. Because even up until that point, when I was looking at different colleges, I was looking at schools to go play basketball at. I was looking at schools to go play baseball at. And I was going to major in different things. I was going to go into politics. If I went to school down in Washington, D.C., I was going to potentially become a history teacher and then ultimately decided to attend Syracuse for my freshman year. And that's when I really decided to dive into the broadcasting full time. And from there, eventually transferred to the College of New Jersey and things were able to take out, take off at that point. And but, yeah, I, I would say there's certain memories that I have when I reflected on them being, man, this is pretty cool. This would be pretty awesome to do this as a living. And when you're a young kid growing up and I don't know if you necessarily appreciate all the sacrifice and hard work that goes into this job, you just, it's part of your life. It's what you experience. So by the time I was 16, you know, 15, 16 years old, I think I started to recognize, man, this is a little bit different and this is pretty special. And then by the time I was 17 or 18, I decided, you know what, this is what I want to do. And Pat, really appreciate you coming on the show. Be- beyond your your dad, you know, were there other broadcasters who were influences on you in those your early years, and you you may have gotten exposed to as a you know youth growing up and starting to have your eye on this broadcasting profession? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Matt Vaskersian is really the first one that I, I remember really listening to on a daily basis. And it wasn't as much from watching games, but it was from playing MLB the show. That was my favorite video game growing up. And I remember that being like my first real exposure to a broadcaster uh, on an everyday basis on like a national platform. I loved Vaskersian growing up and I got a chance to meet him actually for the first time when MLB network was here 
doing games. And I, I've been in contact with him throughout the years, but that was that, that was really cool. And then, you know, a guy I get to work with every single day now and Howie Rose. Uh, you know, I first was introduced to Howie in 2006 when he became my dad's partner. And, you know, he has been a massive influence on my career from the time that I started getting into minor league baseball back in 2017. Uh, I loved listening to Ian Eagle as a young guy just because I felt like his passion and his energy just came through the broadcast all the time. And so I, I think there's a number of guys, you know, Harry Callis, of course, who I was exposed to at a very young age, Scott Fransky, uh, you know, Gary Cohen here with the Mets. I, mean, I loved Dan Shulman. I loved listening to him. Uh, John Miller, you know, I got a chance to meet John Miller in San Francisco this year. And, and to me, that was such a pinch me moment. Because for guys of my generation, John Miller, that meant it was a big game. Sunday night baseball on ESPN, him and Joe Morgan pairing up together. And I just think of so many memories of hearing John Miller calling big baseball games. So those are just a handful of them. Awesome. And you mentioned Howie Rose and Gary Cohen. This weekend, they'll be inducted into the New York Mets Hall of Fame. So so big news there around your parts. Now that you're part of the Mets broadcast crew, would love to hear what it's like to actually, you know, interact with guys like Howie and Gary on a day-to-day basis. You're obviously, you know, a partner with, with Howie now, but, you you know, I'm sure you, you get to interact with Gary quite a bit as well. Now that you're inside and able to work with them what are some of the learnings there and in some of those impressions they're unbelievable just to talk to on a daily basis you know we talk about broadcasting obviously and when I'm doing play-by-play it's because Howie's not there so he's getting a chance to listen to Keith Rad and I all the time uh and he's given us pointers and and we get a chance to talk and we pick his brain and when Howie and Gary speak, you listen, because not only are they Mets Hall of Famers, but I think eventually they could be baseball Hall of Famers. I don't see any reason why that they won't be in Cooperstown uh, at some point. The two of them are, are just the best in the business. And so just to, to watch how they go about their business every single day, to watch how they treat people, those are the things that you take the most. When we worked together in spring training for the first time, I was amazed at how casual Howie was in terms of calling a game yet never missing a pitch you know it was the ninth inning and nobody knew who was even on the field at that point and Howie still kept every single listener engaged and that's what it's all about when we take the air it doesn't matter who's listening there's one person listening out there that cares enough to turn on the radio so you owe it to them to put your best performance forward and that's what amazes me about guys like Howie and Gary's They've been doing it through the highs and the lows of a Mets franchise over the last two, three decades, and they're engaged every single night that people continue to tune in. And I think that's the number one thing that you can take from these guys is that they just go about their business in the most professional way. And as young broadcasters, that's a huge lesson to learn because I think like anything in life, at times you can get complacent in a, in a job and you remember that there's people out there that care. And you owe it to them to put your best performance out there every single time. Uh, Pat McCarthy's our guest, and he's kind enough to join us on a game day. There's a game coming up for him uh, not too long from now. So tell the people a little bit about uh, getting ready for uh, preparing for a Major League Baseball game. You do the pre, the post game. You do select play-by-play as well. Uh, Tell everybody about getting ready for these roles, especially on game day. Yeah, so it's an interesting set up doing 
play-by-play for all 100 or doing pre and post for all 162 games and then doing play-by-play for about 40, I, I try and approach every single broadcast the same. I try and do the same preparation for a play-by-play game as I would for a pre and post game because I feel like if I prepare that way, number one, it keeps me sharp. And number two, I'm just more informed for my pre and post game shows, even when I'm not doing play-by-play. So a day for me... I have a little bit of a commute. I live uh, in in central Jersey, so I, I still commute about an hour and a half up to City Field every single day. So, you know, a seven o'clock game for me starts around twelve thirty, one o'clock when I leave my house and and I get up to City Field or anywhere between two thirty and three o'clock. And normally at that point, it's time to go right into the clubhouse to record uh, my leadoff spot, which is a three minute pregame interview that I do on every pregame show with a player, maybe an opposing manager, an opposing broadcaster, an opposing player. Uh, And so it's getting into the clubhouse immediately when it opens, which is normally anywhere between three and four hours before a game. And then after I do that, go downstairs, watch batting practice, uh, listen to Buck Showalter's press conferences. And we're fortunate, too, that as broadcasters, we get to have some time with Buck one-on-one so we can pick his brain a little bit and just get a feel for the upcoming series, which is a huge benefit for us going into broadcasts because we can just get a better idea of a matchup that he is looking at or a move that he was considering in different situations. So that's, again, it's normally around two or three hours before the game. And then from there, it's it's getting up and preparing for the broadcast, filling out my book. And, and that's one thing that I do, whether it's pre and post or play-by-play. I make sure I have a full book done. Number one, I think it's therapeutic to fill out a book. I think I, it, it keeps... It keeps me engaged with what's going on, and then it makes my job a lot easier in a post-game show when I'm going through the highlights, and I have a full book already done. And then we have a little bit of a unique pregame show here in New York. We take the air 40 minutes before first pitch, and but we only have a 25-minute pregame show because Howie and Keith get the get the broadcast about 15 minutes before first pitch. So my pregame show is pretty condensed that I have to work in uh, a leadoff spot interview. Keith has a conversation with Buck that is pre-recorded. So, you know, we kind of condense things pretty much to a 25-minute block of four segments. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a quick open and then setting up for the manager show and and different live reads. And and then it's either getting set to do play-by-play if, if I'm on that game or then it's kind of sit back and sit back and just listen and take in the game if it's a day where I'm just doing pre and post. So, Hang out, watch the game, prepare for the post-game show. And, and then we have a beast of a post-game show. It's 40 minutes long. Uh, we do a full out-of-town scoreboard, a full highlight recap. We get reactions from the clubhouse uh, and then get you set up for the next day. So it, it's a long day. It's a fun day. Uh, and I'm just really thankful that I get a chance to do it. Yeah, Pat. Uh, well, baseball season's a long grind, but you have called other sports. You still call other sports. Tell us a little about some of your other broadcasting uh, you know, jobs that you have in addition to doing the Mets. Because we were talking before you get here, so many of these radio voices have always been kind of synonymous with the team that they are a part of. But many of the, the younger generation is branching off and doing other things. Yeah, I, I've been super fortunate that since I was a senior at the College of New Jersey, I've been calling Princeton men's basketball, and I've <laughs> I've had a lot of fun doing it. It's an incredible program to follow on a year-to-year basis, and this year was so special with the run to the Sweet 16 that they had. Uh, I was down in spring training, so I was following along like everybody else, and <laughs> 
I had a group chat with the coaches, just, you know, messaging them. And so I've been doing that for six years now. And it's, it's a great team to work for. And then I started doing Princeton football uh, probably a year or two after college. And again, Ivy League football, for those that don't follow it, is so underrated. It is so much fun to watch. They have some big-time players that come out of the Ivy League, and and I think we're starting to see it get noticed in the NFL. Andre Yosivash was picked in the fifth or sixth round this year by the Bengals, All-American out of Princeton as a wide receiver. So they have some stud athletes, and, and getting a chance to call Ivy League football, it, it's a lot of fun. I, you know, I prepare for it. It's a week-long project to get ready for And it's such a condensed season that it's, it's 10 games. There's no trip to the FCS playoffs. So the Ivy League championship means everything. And you get into the last week of an Ivy League season where there could be three teams vying for an Ivy League title. There could be a share. There could be an outright. I think at last year we were at one point going into the final week of the season, there was a potential for quad champions. It's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, Penn ended up beating Princeton in the final week, so Yale was able to take the title. But Ivy League football is a lot of fun to call. And and then back into basketball season, I balanced three different teams for St. Joe's men's and women's basketball and and Princeton men's basketball. And, and fortunately, the Ivy League and the Atlantic 10 schedules don't really conflict. There are times where I have to pick and choose which team I'm going to call for. And I try and balance that out, that if I'm going to miss a Princeton game one week and there's a conflict later on in the season, then I get at St. Joe's to have, so it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I get to work on ESPN plus for the women's games and get to do some radio for the men's games. And I think it keeps me sharp heading into the baseball season. And, and more than anything, I'd get so bored if I didn't call other sports in the off season. We, we, we do these 162 game baseball seasons. And then all of a sudden it's a dead stop at the end of the year. And you're thinking, man, what am I going to do with myself? And I think my wife would probably go crazy if I was, <laughs> if I was in the house, uh, all off season without doing any kind of work. So I love it. I think it keeps me sharp. I think it makes us better broadcasters when we get a chance to continue to stay sharp and do different sports. And I think we become more well-rounded and more than anything, it's just fun. Football and basketball are so much fun to call. Uh, and then it gets you set up. So you're not rusty come spring training in February. Do want to touch on, Pat, also your minor league experience. You know, four years as the radio voice of the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. You know, we've got a lot of aspiring broadcasters, a lot of minor league baseball broadcasters who, you know, tune into the show and follow the Twitter feed and, and whatnot. You know, I would love to hear from you just how valuable that those years, those seasons with a minor league club is. You know, I know the responsibilities oftentimes are well beyond just being the play-by-play voice. I'd love for you to reflect on your time with Lehigh Valley. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't be where I am without my time in minor league baseball. And it really starts my first job back in 2017 when I was the number three broadcast intern in Reading. And I hadn't called any baseball going out of college. I played college baseball up until my senior year. So whereas a lot of young broadcasters were going out to the Northwoods League or going out to the Cape Cod League to call games, I was still playing summer ball. I needed to prepare for my upcoming season to stay sharp at TCNJ. So I I never really had those experiences. My only experience came, I got to fill in for a Trenton Thunder broadcast going into my senior year. And And that's what I used as my demo coming out of college. So it all started for me in 2017 when I was only doing one inning a game. I had so many other responsibilities. And I was so fortunate that Mike Ventola and Greg Caserta, who were the broadcasters in Reading at the time, 
gave me an opportunity to call games and work on the pre and post game shows as well, because that's where I got introduced to minor league baseball. And if anybody has ever gone to a Reading fight and Phil's game, it is an experience. And for me, that experience was cooking hot dogs in the press box, running the pitch clock, running in vegetable races, refilling water and all these different things. So that was my first experience in minor league baseball. And at the same time, getting a chance to broadcast one or two innings a game and then eventually getting a chance to go on the road. But that year allowed me to grow as a broadcaster and I think grow as a person too. I think that's what gets lost in minor league baseball is for a lot of us, it's our first experience away from home. It, it was my first time as an adult living away from home in a different place. And you learn a lot about yourself. You have to learn to balance a budget. You got to pay rent on a salary that's borderline non-existent. You have to figure out a way to still have a social life and balance family and friends because it's just as difficult on them as it is on you, especially in minor league baseball. When you're an intern, you're working 10, 12, 13 hours a day for a seven o'clock game. You're still at the ballpark at 7 a.m. to uh, for some days if there's different things going on. So that season in Reading really introduced me to what I was going to experience in Lehigh Valley. And then that started in 2018 as my first real opportunity to broadcast consistently. I was working with Matt Province as his number two, and I was doing games on a consistent basis. There were some days in Reading where, frankly, I wasn't able to get on the air because we needed somebody to work the pitch clock that day or needed somebody to run MILB game day to track all the stats and stuff like that. So Lehigh Valley, that first year in 2018, allowed me to get more consistent reps, do three, four innings a game. And at the same time, still get the full-time intern experience. I was doing game notes. I was making stat packs. I was cleaning the press box, all these different things. And that was my first real introduction to minor league baseball. And that set me up for 2019 when Matt Province eventually left. And I got to slide into the full-time chair as the lead voice of the Iron Pigs in just my third season in minor league baseball. So those two years prior to 2019, were so valuable in terms of life lessons, broadcasting lessons as well. But a lot of people don't know what goes into working as an intern in minor league baseball. <laughs> and it's not pretty, but it's a lot of fun. You make a ton of memories and you're a better person and a better broadcaster for it. And then eventually I, I was fortunate that the positions kind of split in Lehigh Valley, that I had a pretty unique role that come 2020, the season was canceled, but 2021 and 2022, I was just the broadcaster. I didn't have any other responsibilities. I was able to show up, prepare for a game, make sure that I had all my play-by-play -play responsibilities responsibilities ready to go. And I was able to put together a great broadcast that I ultimately used to do games in Philadelphia and now do games here in New York. Well, you know, we know that New York has a game today, so Pat's got to get ready for that. He was kind enough on game day to spend a couple minutes to tell us just a great story. Uh, obviously very young in the field, but already at the major league level. What is your role today? Are you just doing pre and post today? Yeah, just doing pre and post today. Uh, had a great interview with Phillies manager Rob Thompson that we're going to run today. And that's what's cool about what I get a chance to do is not just interact with the Mets team, but also go into the opposing clubhouses, talk to some of these guys that I watched as a young kid. Uh, you know, I had a chance to interview uh, Terry Francona the other day, and Bud Black. Like You meet some really cool people when I get a chance to do these pre- and post-game shows. And and then I'm going to hop on the train, head home with my pops, and uh, and you know just 
enjoy a, a night at home. But yeah, so pre and post today, and you know, the Mets are going for a sweep over the Phillies, and it's a beautiful day here in Queens. There's very few things to, uh, now, to was, complain about. Was was Topper confused as to why, you know, like <laughs> last year you're on his team, you're, you're a part of the gang, and now you're on the other side? Yeah, he, uh, he, he's been great. He, he had reached out to me uh, just as the news came out that I was joining the Mets, and he, he was so excited, and he, he's a great guy. And, and everybody over at the Phillies has, has been wonderful with the whole situation, and, and you know, the people at the Mets have, have been the same way. I, I've been very fortunate that now working for a team full-time, I get to work with a great organization. I get to work with great people, and at the same time, I still get to see my dad four times a year over in Philadelphia, which is, which is pretty special. Just getting a chance to carpool with him has been <laughs> Such a cool moment. Any to insider walk into the trading going together. on there? Any insider <laughs> trading happening? No, but he he paid for the tolls. I paid for the train tickets today, so we are uh, <laughs> we are making sure that we balance things out. No, it's been it's been awesome. We were in the car together until almost one o'clock in the morning because we hit traffic coming out of the Lincoln Tunnel. So we've uh, we've got a chance to spend a lot of time together. It's it's been pretty special. Uh, well, if you want to hear his father Tom's story, that's in our archive. This has been Pat's story. Uh, Pat McCarthy, everybody, uh, WCBS Radio 880 New York Mets. And, of course, uh, he mentioned Princeton and St. Joe's and probably more down the road as Pat getting ready for the Phillies and Mets today as we record on Thursday morning. Pat, we thank you so much for being on Episode 50 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. No, thank you for having me. This has been a blast. All right, everybody. Thanks, Pat. Pat Have a great McCarthy, show. McCarthy, uh, our guest here, Phil, and uh, we know he's got to get ready for the pregame there. We appreciate him jumping on board and a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, you know, the fact that he is basically a college student doing internships, and that's how quickly it can happen sometimes. And that's why we always say, you know, people always ask for advice. Take every opportunity you can to ask about payment later. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't say any say no to anything unless you know two things are happening once. You can only be at be at one, and you know don't worry about the the, the finances. You know just keep on grinding. And that minor league experience, wow, what what a, a tutelage as far as getting you ready for for what he's doing now. But also you know all those those lessons he learned along the way. Uh, great stuff, and and great to hear a lot a lot of those names of of his influences when he was younger as well. Uh, Cool to hear Pat's story and really appreciate him making time on a game day. This is the announcer schedule podcast episode 50. Let's take a look at why don't we the Stanley cup finals. It's the Vegas golden Knights and the Florida Panthers, man, all your teams are getting in here. Really interesting. This is going to be T and T and they're going to kind of uh, uniquely do this on multiple platforms here. Yeah. So it'll be on TNT, you know, all, the entire series. There'll also be simulcast over on True TV and TBS. And familiar names as far as the broadcasters go, Kenny Albert. Uh, it'll be his second Stanley Cup final providing play-by-play for television. His 10th overall, if you include his radio work. Uh, Eddie Olchick, his 16th Stanley Cup final as the lead analyst. Uh, Keith Jones, we've talked about him the last couple episodes as far as taking that new position with the Flyers, well, he's going to stick around for the, these broadcasts, and uh, he'll be one of the game analysts 
Uh, also, Darren Pang is going to have a role as both a game commentator and also a reporter. And then Jackie Redman will make her Stanley Cup final debut as a game reporter as well. So uh, if you've been watching hockey all season on TNT, uh, familiar names here. You know, I saw a cool story about their uh, production plans. Also, they're rolling out a bunch of new cameras and some new looks and things. So keep an eye out on that. And a lot of experience in the truck also, because a lot of these folks worked for NBC when they had the Stanley Cup Finals all those years. But, yeah, we'll get going in earnest on Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on, on TNT, Golden Knights and Panthers. Yeah, there you go, the Stanley Cup. Uh, and it's going to be the first time uh, exclusively on cable here. We've got, uh, excuse me, the first time on TNT exclusively. Of course, they have the deal with ESPN where it goes back and forth. So this year, all on TNT for the Stanley Cup Finals uh, let's go over to some motorsports. I know this is right in your wheelhouse. It's the big motorsports weekend. Well, it yeah, what's you know known as the the biggest day in motorsports. Uh, the Sunday before Memorial Day, we were coming off of that. It was another uh, blockbuster weekend for those in, in motorsports. A lot of coverage, a lot of uh, action all the way around. You know, you get started with that. Formula One race in Monaco on ABC in the morning, and then he shift over to the Indy 500 on ABC. Uh, Lee Diffie handling the play-by-play for that once again, along with Townsend Bell and James Hinchcliffe. And then the NASCAR, you know, uh, Coca-Cola 600, which usually takes you through the rest of the day on those Sundays of Memorial Day weekend. Well, they've got had some weather situations in Charlotte, North Carolina. The race was delayed until Monday. Also, the Xfinity race was delayed until Monday. So that set up Fox for 900 miles of racing on Monday in Charlotte as, a, you know, um, making do on the these uh, postponed races. And they got started at 11 a.m. in the morning with, with cars on the track. And then the Xfinity race had to be delayed again. They ran the Coca-Cola 600 the cup race until about 9 p.m. And then the Xfinity race came on after that. I mean, 900 miles, uh, basically, um, you know, uh, half day at least of, you know, when I'm talking a half day, I'm talking 12 hours plus, you know, half of 24 of work for all, all the crews and all that kind of thing. So yeoman's work in Charlotte, and uh, hopefully those uh, Fox and NASCAR folks are, are able to get a, a little bit of a, a rest following that one because, uh, you know, they're, they're on site, you know, even through a lot of those rain delays and stuff on Saturday and Sunday too, you know, filling up content, hoping that the, the race might go off. But in this case, uh, they got it all in on uh, Monday. But another great weekend, the Indy 500 had a lot of drama at the end as well and was a lot of uh, fun to, to see that go down once again. So you had all that happening, the Coca-Cola 600, NASCAR. Holy moly, I was in Nashville last week watching a lot of the women's college softball. That's been on all weekend. You got the men's lacrosse happening. You got college baseball regionals. So a lot of broadcasters are getting work. Yeah, you know, you, you kind of take this part of the year for granted a little bit because, you know, college hoops is behind us. Uh, the NBA, you know, is down to just the, the NBA finals and same with the NHL. So there's not as many games, uh, of course, you know, we're in the off season, high off season when it comes to football, but there is so much content across television and so many uh, announcer opportunities. You know, we mentioned, you know, the, 
the the racing but you know men's and women's lacrosse had their national championships this past weekend uh notre dame beating duke on the men's side anise shroff uh Quint Kucinich and Paul Carcetera, uh, they've been handling this for for several seasons on the men's side. And then Jay Alter was the play-by-play announcer on the women's side as Northwestern defeated Boston College. You mentioned college softball. The Women's College World Series gets going uh, this weekend. Um, Beth Moen's uh, leading one broadcast team and Kevin Brown leading the other. There's also Westwood One coverage of the women's college uh, world series uh, happening on the radio side. And then college baseball, the NCAA regionals are going off this weekend, 16 regional sites. That means 16 broadcast teams across the ESPN platforms. Uh, a lot of familiar names. When, when you, you look at the play-by-play announcers, guys like Mike Monaco, uh, former guest of the, the podcast, uh, Anish Shroff, Mike Morgan, Roy Philpott, um, Clay Matvick, Richard Cross. So a lot of the names you see throughout the season uh, getting, you know, these gigs here for the NCAA regionals. And then there's also sports like, you know, golf and the French Open is going down now. So there is so much content across television and in turn opportunities for those uh, in the business here. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll strap it on once again (laughs) this weekend and and get the keep that, um, you know, thumb um, loose for the, the remote control with this much action going on. Yeah, you mentioned Anish. I think uh, he was on the first pod. We played his uh, call of the lacrosse championships back on episode one uh, of the NCAA lacrosse finals. I think that his play-by-play call of that championship game was a part of episode one of the pod, and that brings us to the end of episode 50 of the announcer schedules podcast. We went through a bunch of different things. We want to thank our guest, Pat McCarthy. And don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Last Word on Sports. And if you like, rate, review, subscribe, uh, that helps us out immensely. Big time help. So it's easy to do. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Hit the like button. Maybe leave a little nice comment if you're on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you may be listening. Last Word on Sports with TJ Reeves comes out on Wednesday. Tell me a story I don't know with George Offen uh, drops on Tuesdays. And this very podcast, the Announcer Schedules podcast, drops on Thursday. Always check the feed for a special interview here. You never know when we're going to drop it. If you subscribe and get the alert sent to you, if we have something new, you will get it. All right. That will do it. Number 50 is in the book. Anything to add before we roll on out of here today, Phil? Yeah, big thanks to, to Pat McCarthy, all of our listeners, for keeping this thing going as we, we've hit the, the one-year anniversary and, you know, episode 50 today. And, uh, you know, all the guests that we've had on the show uh, over the past year. Uh, also, big thanks again to, to TJ Reeves, all that he does. And, uh, yeah, Mike, we'll keep this thing going, you know, uh, episode 51 <laughs> next week and beyond. But uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun run and, and looking forward to what's uh, around the corner next. Yeah, and just unique people that we have met. I mean, I was out doing some play-by-play uh, here locally. Uh, I got the chance to call the MAC Basketball Championships and met some people who listened to the podcast, Mike Shoot. Uh, he and I keep in touch and hopefully can work together doing some things. Steve Lennox is a guy uh, he was calling that. I know these 
you guys listen to the pod. Uh, Kevin Harlan, uh, saw him at the Super Bowl. Another guy who listens to the podcast. The amount of the broadcasters, we thank them for listening to the pod. And any feedback they have is always welcomed as well. So it's been a cool experience for these 50. And uh, we look forward to bringing you more right here on the Announcer Schedules Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.